because the Social Justice Coalition were challenging a particular provision as being contrary to Section 17 of the Constitution, the first thing that the Constitutional Court had to do was look at the content and scope of the right. And if you remember the structure that we spoke about, you'll see that one of the first things that the Constitutional Court does is say that in determining Section 17, the Constitutional Court has to do so in a generous manner. And the court looks at the right and says there's only one internal qualifier on the right. And that internal qualifier is that when exercising the right to protest, uh, to gather, to assemble, the person who does so or the individuals who do so must do so in a peaceful and an unarmed manner. And the court then looks at Section 17 to try and, and, and unravel the meaning of Section 17. And the first thing the court says is that if you look at the provision, it says that everyone has the right to protest. And the court points out that everyone means whether someone is young or old or whether they have money or they don't have money or whether they have a university education or they can't read and write and whether they are from a powerful section of society, or whether they are, are from a marginalized section of society, whether they are, for instance, children who otherwise wouldn't have a voice in society, or whether they are refugees or asylum seekers who aren't able to vote, whether they come from these oppressed groups in particular, these marginalized groups. The court says everyone has the right to protest. And if you remember from our previous lecture earlier on, uh, one of the things that we said is that the right to protest was takes on this particular significance when we are dealing with individuals who are vulnerable. So individuals who don't have economic power, like children who, who, who cannot afford to have uh, purchasing power in order to have their voices heard in a different way. And individuals like asylum seekers who can't vote and so that they only have a certain way in which they're able to express their frustrations as members of the country, people within this country, because they aren't able to participate in the political processes associated with voting. So the court says that you have to interpret the right generously. The only limitation is peacefully and unarmed and the right extends to everyone. And because the right extends to everyone, and the provision has to be interpreted generously. The court says that anything at all, anything that stops an unarmed person from being able to assemble would limit the right to protest. So if you look at the particular provision that is being challenged for contravening Section 17, you will ask yourself, does this particular provision prevent someone who is unarmed from being able to protest? Because that's the generous way you are interpreting as broadly as possible. And if your answer is yes, then there is a violation of Section 17, right? And the Social Justice Coalition argued that in this instance, because of the fact that you would be criminalized if you don't uh, obtain notice uh, for a gathering that was over 15 people as the convener, the effect of that provision was to deter people from being able to exercise their right to protest or their right to assemble freely because they would be scared of criminal liability and then they would be reluctant to participate in the uh, in a protest action. And so 
That is what the Social Justice Coalition argued, but the state argued something different. What the state said was that if you look at uh, the particular provision that was being challenged, that this wasn't a provision that limited the right to protest. Uh, this is merely a provision that tried to regulate the right to protest. So this is a technical argument that the state tried to bring into the court case. And the constitutional court says, no, 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 this this is nonsense. Because if you look at one of our previous judgments, if you look at the Kharwa's judgment, you will see that the court said, yes, in certain instances, mere regulation of a right will not be a violation of the right. But in the Kharwa's case itself, the court said that there was a violation of the right because in that case, people who organized uh, assembly, people who organized the gathering were required to pay money in order to avoid having to be fined and having to uh, be slapped with civil liability if anything happened during the during that gathering. And so the court in Kharwa said that that potential civil liability was a deterrent of the right and was beyond mere regulation. And the court then draws the similarity between Kharwa's and the, and the civil liability that could attach to a convener who then needed to spend a whole lot of money in order to prevent being told afterwards you're you are liable civilly for whatever damages stemmed from a march, if any damages did stem from a march. So the court draws this parallel between Kharwa's and the current matter. And the court ultimately concludes that Section 17 is being deterred, that <clears throat> people would be uh, prevented or people would be reluctant or scared to exercise their right under Section 17 because of the potential of criminal liability. And it was not only the conveners of the march who would be prevented or be deterred, rather, from exercising their right to protest, but it would be anybody that would be able to protest because of the fact that the conveners uh, arrange this march. So if the conveners are scared to arrange the march, then protesters will not have an opportunity to participate in that march because that march would not happen to begin with. And then if you look at it, the court goes extensively into international law. The court goes into the laws of the United Nations Human Rights Committee. The court looks at laws, uh, sorry, not laws rather, the court looks at court cases of the of the Human Rights Committee and of the European Convention of Human Rights. And there are some very interesting cases there that you might want to have a look at on when the deterrence of the right to protest, stopping someone or scaring someone from being able to protest would amount to, to a limitation of that right. So that's a lot of international law using decisions that had happened at the Human Rights Committee, the UN Committee, and at the European Convention of Human Rights. So that is something I'm not going to go into, but it's something that you'll have to have a look at yourself.